Integrity with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to the Robots Podcast. In this episode, we're exploring the boundary between hard and soft robotics. Costas Bakris is an Associate Professor of Computer Science at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. He works on algorithmic robotics, especially on problems related to robot motion planning and coordination. He's primarily concerned with controlling tensegrity robots, which is a hard problem for robots with dizzying degrees of freedom and complex dynamic interactions with their environment. Our interviewer Jack spoke to Professor Bakris about how he tackles tensegrity by drawing on new developments in machine learning, robotic simulation and bio-inspired control, and about his work on robotic manipulation. According to Professor Bakris, These apparently unrelated sets of problems are deeply connected, and a better understanding of their connections could lead to major advances in both. Hi, Kostas. Welcome to Robots Podcast. Uh, great to talk to you, Jack. Great. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is uh, Kostas Bekris. I work uh, at Rutgers University as an associate professor. Uh, I work in the area of uh, uh, robotics, especially motion planning algorithms, for systems with uh, significant uh, uh, dynamics, uh, as well as manipulation challenges. Great. Now I'd like to talk to you today about Tensegrity Robotics. Could you uh, introduce the audience to what that is? Yeah, Tensegrity Robotics is inspired by uh, notions that arose in uh, architecture, um, where you combine, uh, in, th in the context of robotics, you combine the soft and rigid uh, components. Uh, so you can have, for example, Uh, rigid rods connected by cables, and this uh, uh, results in a structurally compliant system that uh, is able to distribute forces uh, along the entire platform. So it is a great uh, system for uh, absorbing impact uh, since the, it, it is able to compress and extend uh, its uh, shape, and uh, it has been uh, considered as a, a potential platform Uh, for locomotion, uh, you can potentially deploy it in a highly uh, uneven terrain, unstructured environments, and uh, it can move in a way that can uh, surpass uh, uh, unknown obstacles. And uh, that's why uh, NASA is quite interested in uh, tensegrity platforms. Uh, there could be systems uh, that could be thrown potentially from a, from a vehicle uh, to explore different parts of a planetary surface and uh, they can be uh, they can absorb the impact of a fall uh, while they can carry a payload this could be a sensor or, or a manipulator and then they can uh, start moving by um, extending and compressing the cables uh, on the actual uh, robotic platform and uh, keep exploring their local uh, vicinity Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the, the idea of tensegrity was first explored in, uh, in art and architecture, uh, where they have been described as uh, uh, forces made uh, visible. Um, they have even been called the fundamental building structures of life 
uh, as they resemble the structure of spines. And, and even in small uh, single-celled organisms, uh, there are structures that, uh, exp- you know, um, they resemble, you know, the uh, tensegrity structures that uh, we have seen in, in architecture. Huh. Yeah, because what, what struck me about them was just how alien they look. They're so unfamiliar. You, you're used to robotics being, robots being very grounded, you know, having a very central body, but it, it's not even like a soft robot, which is sort of like a blob, you know. Soft robots have been uh, gaining popularity recently. It, it's this sort of... Uh, this sort of dispersed bundle of sticks and cables. So what are the particular challenges in, uh, in making one of those, I guess, do what you want it to do? Yeah, so, so they do share a lot of the challenges of uh, soft robots. And you're right, they're, they're kind of in between, you know, the traditional rigid robotics and, and soft robotics. Uh, and they share the benefits and, and the challenges. So they do exhibit, you know, the compliance. Uh, so they, they are able to adapt to, to, to their environment. Um, uh, at the same time, they increase the, the complexity of, uh, you know, controlling and planning in the traditional uh, uh, sense. Uh, with a rigid uh, uh, robot, you know, perhaps with an articulated manipulator, for example, uh, you, uh, you can kind of predict where the end effector is going to, to be, your hand, if you give commands uh, to um, uh, the different joints on the arm. Uh, with uh, a system um, uh, that is like tensegrity, there is higher uh, uncertainty uh, about uh, you know the, the the shape of the platform um, because uh, it's going to be influenced quite a bit uh, from contacts with the uh, environment and contacts are always much more complex in order to be able to to model and predict. Uh, at the same time. Um, these uh, platforms, uh, you know, the Tensegrity uh, Robotics as well, soft robots uh, more general, um, they, uh, we hope that basically uh, have what uh, exhibit the property of uh, morphological uh, computation. Um, so, so this is a, a notion where the, the, the planning and control does not have to be any way so accurate because the uh, the hardware itself, the, the, the structure itself, is able uh, to have these, uh, this adaptability um, to, to its environment and to the task that it has to, to solve. So um, you can basically uh, try to, to relax the objective of really accurately controlling every aspect uh, of your system uh, just because itself has the capability to, to adapt to its surroundings. So what are some of the specific strategies that you hope to develop to make these robots easier to control? We're trying to approach the problem um, from, from many different uh, perspectives. Um, initially, we, we've tried to see whether we can actually uh, plan trajectories for that systems uh, where the dynamics uh, of, of the structure is actually uh, excited um, uh, and they become important. Um, Excited. Uh, basically, the, you you have significant dynamics. You can see the uh, the system, uh, you know, perhaps jumping, uh, and not just slowly uh, rolling uh, over a surface. Uh, so the, traditionally, for, for for such systems, it's easier to to compute uh, what we call a, a quasi-static uh, path where you are in a specific static configuration of the system, you're making one slow 
motioned to a target uh, configuration uh, of the system. You, you stop at that configuration and then you compute again how to change your configuration and move to, to the next point. This is um, a more structured way of uh, thinking of where the system uh, needs to be inside an environment and how uh, it moves. Uh, and uh, at the same time, it does not take advantage of the inherent properties uh, of the system. The fact that it can really uh, also, you know, uh, hit the surface, then jump, and then cannot also move much faster towards uh, its uh, its target. It does not have to stop uh, along the way. Uh, so we have uh, first uh, shown that. Uh, you, by using some state-of-the-art uh, solutions for planning for systems with significant dynamics, we can get trajectories for these systems that are much more continuous and uh, th they do allow uh, highly dynamic uh, motions. Uh, nevertheless, um, this was achieved basically by doing uh, a lot of simulations and uh, doing a lot of what-if scenarios in the simulation and sampling different trajectories, which can be computationally uh, expensive, so it can take a lot of time to come up with these uh, trajectories. Uh, so now we're focusing on, you know, in the context of solutions that allow to generate highly dynamic trajectories, how can we become um, effective in coming up with those locomotion uh, gates uh, that really allow the platform to move effectively and explore different uh, directions? And this is um, where a lot of the progress in uh, machine learning uh, comes uh, into play. Uh, with many um, uh, bio-inspired uh, methods, uh, uh, for instance, that have been proposed um, uh, in the literature, both for uh, modeling robots that may uh, have bio-inspired structured, uh, as well as uh, learning methods in the area of reinforcement learning, uh, where we're trying to come up with uh, feedback-based uh, feedback controllers uh, that are able to uh, generate useful gates. So on the side of uh, bio-inspired uh, solutions, we're looking into methods known as uh, central pattern uh, generators, um, uh, which have been proposed for systems uh, uh, that, that may also uh, share properties with the bi biological uh, organisms, uh, where you're trying to parameterize um, your control um, through uh, a set of variables that uh, then uh, allow you to basically um, operate in a lower dimensional space and uh, able to control such a high dimensional uh, system effectively. And we're getting um, uh, uh, already some indications that we're able for the integrity structure to come up with a central pattern generator that allows uh, then to generate gates that we can incorporate in a higher level uh, planner, a sampling based uh, planner uh, uh, that we have developed in order to explore uh, the environment. And then going beyond the um, uh, solutions like this, where those gates may be uh, open loop gates, uh, we're using um, uh, recent uh, results in the area of, uh, of machine learning and uh, for, for robotics. Uh, such as uh, guided policy search uh, methods, um, uh, and uh, which have been proposed for, for to be used for integrity um, uh, robotics, and has been uh, initial work uh, by uh, uh, Sergey Levin and uh, uh, Peter Bill in collaboration with uh, NASA Ames, which is uh, the lab that really uh, uh, is pushing forward the, the research in the area of uh, integrity. 
um, that we are able to come up with uh, feedback controllers uh, to uh, allow uh, an integrity platform such as the one that is available at NASA Ames, which is an uh, ecosahedron uh, platform to actually flip over and make uh, one uh, full uh, loop. Our focus is how to, to, to take solutions like this and kind of extend them uh, to much more general uh, navigation uh, capabilities, being uh, being able to really move and roll this platform in any possible direction and then incorporate these feedback solutions, uh, again, in the context of high-level planner that allows to explore uh, an environment, a special environment where there may be obstacles. You could imagine an environment that involves tunnels, uh, that uh, needs to be explored, uh, and um, a conservative platform is very appropriate for such highly unstructured uh, spaces as uh, it can really deform in order to adapt itself uh, to, to the openings and being able to uh, get to its final destination. Hmm. And so when you're training a platform like that, is your are your inputs just the... Uh the I guess encoders for like what is it the the tension that's applied to the to the cables or or are there what's are, are, is there any like visual perception going on how are you how are you getting how are you getting that feedback? Uh, yeah, so you're able to control the uh, length of the cables, uh, and uh, you know for the physical platform, um, uh, you then have you, you can measure uh, uh, the length uh, of the cables. So this, this can become part of the uh, sensor process in terms of, of the feedback. And um, uh, it is envisioned that in the future, uh, the, the platforms will also have additional sensors at the, uh, at the center of the platform, perhaps um, a visual sensor or a sensor that will allow you to map the, the vicinity. Uh, and then, can, then you are going to be able to try to adapt your gates uh, to, to the environment. Uh, but uh, currently, yes, it, it has to do uh, the, the sensory information um, uh, available and assumed in the planning process uh, uh, as well is that you can know the, uh, the extent of the length at, uh, at any point in time. Mm. So it seems like uh, most of the work you do deals with these uh, robots either in simulation uh, or, or just, you know, entirely uh, just, just abstract models of them. Um, what do you th- what's the what, what do you think is the future for actually deploying them for seeing these in real life? Um, so some uh, of the prototypes uh, actually you know they're, they're not that many prototypes but uh, again NASA Ames is uh, is leading this effort and has uh, demonstrated uh, together uh, with the University of California Berkeley um, uh, the uh, uh, the first platforms that have been effective in uh, exhibiting, uh, you know, locomotion capabilities. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, at uh, UC Berkeley, the, the lab of uh, 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 the best lab at UC Berkeley is developing such um, uh, platforms. And uh, at NASA Ames, the, um, uh, the the group of Terry Fong and uh, 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 Vita Sunspiral and now Jonathan Bruce, uh, have uh, such hardware platforms, and uh, some of my students are um, are visiting uh, this summer and this fall, and will try to actually uh, execute some of the trajectories that we have uh, developed in simulation uh, on these physical platforms. And this uh, uh, physical simulation model uh, has been built again by NASA Ames so as to uh, generate a tool that when you come up with solutions on the on the f- uh, physics simulation tool, they can be uh, then uh, applied to to the real system. 
And uh, this has really um, uh, motivated a lot of researchers that do not have direct access to the physical platform to be able to uh, experiment uh, with it. And we're, we're interested as well, uh, you know, one direction um, in our collaboration with the NASA Ames, since uh, a lot of our support is coming from, from NASA as well, is to, to focus on the accuracy of this uh, simulator and try to improve um, uh, the capability to uh, transfer solutions that have been developed in simulation on the real system. And how are you pursuing that? Uh, so so uh, in the context of a system identification process, we're trying, we're again parameterizing the, the, the simulator and we're trying to identify, uh, we're trying to map the parameters of the simulator to, to the real system and minimize the amount of experiments that we will need on the real system. Uh, so for instance, you, you run a trajectory uh, on the real system and um, uh, you see how the, uh, the platform moves. Uh, then you go back into the simulation and you try for the same controls to see how the, the system moves. And then you try to tune the parameters so that uh, the two trajectories uh, match. You can do this completely randomly, you know, for random controls, a random set of parameters. Uh, there are also more um, formal methods uh, based on uh, Bayesian uh, optimization that will try to uh, minimize uh, the, uh, the amount of experiments that you will need in order to do so. And this is something that we're pursuing together with uh, my colleague at uh, Rutgers University, um, uh, Professor Abdeslam Boularias. Mm-hmm. Now, this seems like it's, it's part of a much larger uh, general movement in robotics, you know, as we're trying to apply uh, uh, learning, especially reinforcement learning, to things like robotic control, where you'd really like to know exactly how the robot would respond to a given input. Uh, it's very expensive to do this for hours and hours and hours on an actual robot, so you want to build a better simulator. Um, what, are the, what, are the, what, what makes this particular to Tensegrity, or is this something you foresee, uh, the, you know, the, the, what you get out of this research uh, could be applied to robotic simulation more broadly? Yeah, you're absolutely uh, right, and, and this is a theme in general we're pursuing even beyond robotics on how to minimize uh, the, the effort that goes into collecting uh, data in order to train a, a machine learning process, because we have seen this great progress in machine learning and the capability uh, to, to be able uh, to, to generate solutions um, for, for complex problems, but typically they depend on the availability of a lot of data. <clears throat> and um, it is much, uh, uh, you know, if you can bootstrap a machine learning process uh, using a simulated data, this can significantly um, uh, extend the amount of information available to, to, to the machine learning pro- process, help you perhaps generalize into situations that you may not uh, easily or do not even want to see in, uh, uh, in, in the real uh, world. Um, and uh, that's why we're following this uh, you know, system identification process. We're trying to uh, strengthen the accuracy of the, uh, of the simulator, which is happening through a machine learning uh, process itself. Uh, so as then to generate enough uh, data for a reinforcement um, uh, learning process, so as to generate the, the controllers uh, that um, uh, will be robust as well in, in the real world. And uh, of course, you know, um, while we're using the simulation to bootstrap this process, eventually the, you need to collect uh, real data as well in order to, to adapt to, to, to the real system. And this simulation-based um, bootstrapping of machine learning process, we're looking into it not just in the context of integrity, we're looking uh, into it even in the context of um, 
object recognition and pose estimation of objects for, for manipulation challenges. For example, we're trying to, uh, we're generating images um, uh, of how objects look in the environment, but we first make sure that the, the poses of the objects in a simulated environment correspond to realistic objects. So we're running a physics-based simulation where we let the objects um, fall inside the environment and converge to, to realistic poses. And we've seen that if you train on simulated data and the poses uh, actually come as an output of a physically uh, realistic uh, setup, the accuracy of the learning um, approach in terms of estimating correctly what uh, objects it can see and where they are increases uh, relative to just placing them randomly in, in a simulated scene. And the same reason can happen in the context of grasping, uh, potentially, where you use a simulator in order to uh, to uh, train a, a process for grasping uh, objects uh, with, a, with a robotic uh, hand. And uh, uh, you first train it in a simulation and then you transfer it on a real uh, system and you want to minimize, again, the amount of experiments you run on the real hardware. This is part of your group's broader engagement with the Amazon Picking Challenge and in research into robotic manipulation. Yes, we were really motivated by the, the Amazon Picking Challenge because um, it, for, it uh, forced us to, to, uh, to deal with an uh, exciting, hard uh, problem that brings uh, really together many uh, components that frequently are studied independently. Uh, you really need to have a tight integration of uh, perception, uh, planning and uh, robust control uh, in order to, to solve this uh, challenge. Uh, so uh, we, we recently uh, had an NSF award that has been uh, recommended uh, uh, for funding uh, that is uh, in, in this uh, domain of, um, uh, of manipulation and grasping, uh, where the focus is on, on a robot being able uh, to, to achieve um, uh, reflective uh, learning. Uh, so uh, in internally, uh, we have this, this simulation process that is reasoning about how the world uh, operates. Uh, then the robot interacts with the uh, objects in, in this environment and in parallel improves both the simulation that it has available about the world and its capability to interact uh, with these objects. And as it interacts with the objects, we also have to make sure uh, that uh, we do not get into a situation where the robot is not able uh, anymore to, to, to experiment uh, itself. For example, if you're trying to figure out uh, the mass of, of an object uh, through experience and through interaction with it, you should never push it out of reach uh, for, for the robot itself. Um, uh, so that we do not do these episodic uh, experiments where we have to stop and restart and, and a human has to enter the scene and reset uh, the experiment. But the robot needs to be uh, able to continuously uh, uh, maintain the, uh, the setup in a, in a safe subset of, of the state space so that it can keep experimenting and keep improving its belief about um, uh, the, uh, the distribution of mass about these this objects. So we, we follow a model-based approach. So we try to build models uh, uh, about uh, the, the world uh, that the environment uh, lives in, but these are uh, data-driven uh, models that are um, built through experience. Right. So it seems like you've got a lot going on. What about your current work is especially exciting? What do you think is going to be uh, really cool in sort of your work in the next five years? Yeah, so the, the, the two domains that we uh, that I, uh, we're looking into uh, is um, uh, 
grasping and manipulation on one side and the other um, locomotion uh, potentially uh, for, for these uh, complex uh, struct, uh, you know, robotic platforms um, like Tensegrity. And they seem to be very different challenges. But uh, I would like to, uh, to see that uh, uh, a unified approach that kind of addresses both. And in the end, I see, I believe that this is actually um, uh, feasible. Um, many people in the community uh, will tell you that, um, you know, the manipulation and grasping problem is exactly the same as uh, locomotion in the end. It's, uh, uh, locomotion is like grasping the earth in order to move uh, forward. And uh, it would be nice to have these, these general methods uh, that reason effectively about um, uh, complex contexts with the environment that appear in both uh, problems and uh, be able to, to increase the robustness of uh, solutions in uh, uh, more unstructured uh, in environments. Uh, the Amazon Picking Challenge refers to, it relates to, to a warehouse environment where there is some structured, uh, for instance, uh, but at the same time, it is a step forward relative to the traditional application domain of robotics uh, in the industry, where everything is known in terms of the objects that may arise and their location. Uh, so the, the warehouse environment involves millions potentially of, of products and that can arise in any possible configuration. And that's step, a step towards considering of the challenges that arise in household environments, where again, you have a very large variety of objects. You have clutter that you need to be able to deal with. And if you think in terms of the tensegrity, if you are, um, you know, if you deploy this system on a planetary surface, um, it's again, a highly unstructured uh, uh, environment. So, uh, I'm looking forward towards the unification of methods for these um, apparent different problems in the context of really unstructured and uh, complex environments. So you want a grand unified theory? For for robotic problems, yes. That, that's, that's ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be five years, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think in the end there is uh, a kind of a common approach to, to, to these problems that... Um, uh, achieve uh, that that will help us make progress. So winding down, uh, what advice do you have for young students who are thinking about a career in robotics? Um, make sure that they read a lot of the old uh, literature as well. There is a lot of excitement uh, right now uh, for for AI, machine learning, um, and the developments that have uh, taken place. And uh, at the same time, there has been significant uh, work in the field um, that is taking place over, uh, you know, many decades. And many of this work did not really um, result in a necessarily very, um, it did not receive the level of attention that we're seeing uh, today uh, in modern methods, either because the computational power uh, was not there yet, the, or the robotic platforms uh, were not there yet, or the models, you know, that the, the methods were depending upon were not accurate uh, enough. And, uh, you know, machine learning is really helping us to, to deal potentially with the, um, uh, this aspect of inaccurate uh, models. Uh, but there has, you know, there are a lot of control and planning paradigms that have been uh, developed that we should not uh, ignore uh, now that we have this progress in, in machine learning and go back and study 
uh, some of the, the fundamental papers and be aware of, of these methods uh, to, to, together with the uh, 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 my postdoc David Servik, uh, uh, we're, we're uh, trying to write a, a paper that is uh, titled um, uh, "Don't Throw Out the, the Planning and Control Paradigms with Inaccurate Models." Uh, so uh, I would urge, uh, you know, students not just to read the recent literature, but to try to get into the, the foundations of, of robotics. Right. As with anything, people are want to follow the trends. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, Thank you so. much. And there are benefits in the recent developments. We just need to build on top of the foundations as well. Right. And not just get swept up in the hype. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Great. Uh, thank you for the invitation. It was uh, great talking to, uh, with you. And that's all for today. As always, just visit robohub.org for more podcast episodes and so much more. Before we finish, though, we just wanted to flag that we are going to be renaming the Robots Podcast to RoboHub Podcast in September. RoboHub and the Robots Podcast have been closely linked right from the start, and many of the same people are involved in these projects. The podcast has also been hosted on RoboHub for a while now, and so we're just making it official. Other than our name and look, rest assured the podcast will remain unchanged. So we hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Tensegrity with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. <laughs>